What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Hockey. I am your host, Jack Bushman, going solo on the podcast this afternoon. Today is Thursday, February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. And Hawks fans, I'll tell you who my Valentine is this spring. It's Colin Delia's contract extension, because I love the shit out of that deal. Three years, three million. I don't have to do the math for you guys. So happy Valentine's Day out there to everyone listening. Sorry, I've not been able to do the podcast since the NHL All-Star break. I've been super, super busy. Uh, As some of you may know, I am currently and uh, recently became a Blackhawks contributor for Sports Mockery and Chicago Sports Nation. So most of my Blackhawks time has been consumed by that as of late. But now I definitely have my schedule down and figured out, and I hope to pump out episodes of the podcast down the stretch run here as much as I can. So moving on to some actual Blackhawks content. Blackhawks, since the All-Star break, have actually been trending in the right direction, folks. They actually took their two straight wins prior to the All-Star break and turned that into a seven-game winning streak, only for it to be snapped Tuesday night versus the tough Boston Bruins. While the Hawks haven't had many forgettable games the past two months or so after having a plethora of those from late October to early December, uh, Tuesday night was one to forget for the Chicago Blackhawks. It was an absolute annihilation by the Boston Bruins. The Blackhawks actually did get off to a strong start as just four minutes into the game, Alex DeBrinckit stayed red hot and scored his 29th goal of the season, which is a new career high for DeBrinckit as he scored 28 goals last season and 25 more games than he did this season. So good to see DeBrinckit already break uh, or already set a new career high. Uh, he also extended his point streak to nine games, which is a career best as well. He has six goals and 10 assists over that nine-game span. So fantastic to see Alex Dabrinkit really growing into one of the premier goal scorers uh, in the entire league right in front of our eyes. Hopefully he will hit that magic number of 40 as Moneybags and I have been talking about uh, him potentially being a 40-goal scorer of the season for months now. I also wrote about it for Shy Sports Nation just a week ago. Make sure to check that out. Hopefully the Cat can get 40 in just his sophomore NHL season. Good to see the Cat strike once again as he is the legit hottest goal scorer in the NHL since December 11th with 18 goals in a little over two months. The momentum the Blackhawks gained early in the game would quickly shift to the home team, though, as the Bruins began to pepper Colin Delia and the Blackhawks. Boston took advantage of a Brent Seaver penalty as David Krejci housed a one-timer past Delia to tie the game up. The Blackhawks, they may have figured out one aspect of the special teams department, the power play, but they still have no solution for the league's worst penalty kill. The, The PK has been the league's worst for over two months now. They were absolutely thrashed by the Boston Bruins on Tuesday, who who were without their best power play goal scorer in David Posternak. Seemed like that power play goal really got the juices flowing for the Bruins as the offensive onslaught had begun. Less than a minute after Krejci's power play goal, the Bruins' offense took advantage of some poor positioning by the Blackhawks' defense. If you go back and look at this goal, it's the second goal the Bruins scored on the night. It's really a simple play for Boston. Charlie McAvoy... He doesn't get a point here, but he really made the play happen as he entered the zone with some speed. As Connor Murphy decides to take McAvoy at the left circle, Jonathan Taze has to realize that the Bruins have numbers in front of the Hawks net. 
Instead, what does he do? He follows the puck carrier McAvoy and leaves Carl Dahlstrom all alone to guard both Marchand and Heinen in front of the net. Heinen ended up putting the puck in the net to give the Bruins a 2-1 lead. These kinds of plays right here, they really show you the Blackhawks' problems in their own zone. There's no communication between Murphy and Taze as both players decide to play the puck carrier. While it's fine for either Murphy or Taze to pressure McAvoy once he pulls up at the left circle, the defense cannot afford for both of them to take the puck carrier, and that's exactly what happened on this play. This results in a numbers advantage for the Bruins in front of Delia, and the puck wound up in the back of the net. Boom, 2-1 to one Bruins. On the third Bruins goal of the first period, that one was also a tough one to swallow. A Gustav Forsling turnover would wind up in the back of the net. Forsling and Gustafson, man, they had themselves a rough, rough night versus the fast and physical Boston Bruins forecheck. So Patrice Bergeron here threw a little bit, threw a flubber on net uh, towards Colin Delia, and Delia really should have held that little flubber instead of waffle boarding it out to no man's land. But the Hawks could not get out of their own zone in that first period. It was turnover after turnover after turnover. And when you play like that against a solid team like the Bruins, you're playing with fire. And three goals in the first period is what happens. So that puck ended up in the back of the net as Pasternak, a beautiful, beautiful feed, uh, found, gave him an open net. And it was 3-1 to one Boston at the end of the first after the Blackhawks jumped uh Jumped on the Bruins first and took the lead early in the period. Boston bounced right back. And uh, really from that point on, it was Bruins for the rest of the night. So looking at Boston's fourth goal now, it was the real backbreaker of the game for the Blackhawks. Really put the dagger in the heart of the Chicago Blackhawks. Right as Jonathan Taze stepped out of the box after the Hawks just killed a five-on-three, Jake DeBrusque redirected David Krejci's pass past the glove Adelia to make it 4-1 Bruins. And while the Hawks would battle back from goals from Keith and Gustafson, they still were essentially dominated for the entirety of the second and third period. While a 6-3 loss, it, it doesn't look horrendous. It easily, easily could have been worse if it wasn't for the effort of Colin Delia. The stat sheet may not say it, but Delia was fantastic for the most part Tuesday night. He made 31 saves on the night, and if I had a nickel for every time Pat Foley said, big save, about Colin Delia, I'd have a shitload of nickels. What the uh, the 6-3 score doesn't tell you is that the Blackhawks were dominated all night long in their own zone. They had 22 giveaways, which was by far their most since the start of 2019, and to be honest with you guys, when I was looking back on the Hawks' games to see how many turnovers they had in each game, I... I was going back for a while until I could find a game where the Blackhawks had 22 turnovers. So really ugly uh, defensive effort by the Chicago Blackhawks in this one. It was hard to watch the defensemen try to clear the puck out of the zone because they would just get hit over and over again and hold on to the puck against the board. So seven-game winning streak may have swept the defensive problems under the rug for the Blackhawks, but they did not get rid of them completely. Not even close. The Blackhawks could have easily lost that game 9-3 on Tuesday night if it weren't for Colin Delia's effort in net. So looking back now on that seven-game win streak before the loss Tuesday night to the Boston Bruins and the teams that the Blackhawks beat, it's kind of easy to see how the, def- the, how the defensive problems could be swept under the rug. The Hawks started it off by beating the Capitals, who, yes, they're uh, in second place in their division, but at the time they were in the middle of a seven-game losing streak, and they allowed at least seven goals in four of five games at that time, and they allowed eight to the Blackhawks that 
Sunday afternoon. So obviously they were going through a little bit of a, a struggle and a little bit of a hiccup in the a little bit of a hiccup in the road as well. And then the Hawks managed to sneak one out in a shootout over the New York Islanders. Then they beat the Buffalo Sabres, who have struggled hard of late, the Minnesota Wild, who are slumping and are very banged up, the Edmonton Oilers, who are the Edmonton Oilers, the Vancouver Canucks, who really don't have much of a team besides their top six forwards, and the Detroit Red Wings, who are one uh, one of the bottom five teams in the NHL. So not exactly elite company there. But yes, wins are still wins. Good to see the Hawks win those games, but still it's easy to see why the real problems of this team were hidden from sight. The truth of the matter is that the Blackhawks do not have the defense to compete with the best offenses in the NHL. Every time they play an elite offense like Tampa Bay, remember when Tampa Bay put up like 37 shots in the second period against the Blackhawks at one time, or an offense like Winnipeg or, or Boston, they get completely exposed, which is why it's tough to root for the Blackhawks to make up the playoffs right now. Yes, obviously, I want the Hawks to win every game possible, but even if the Hawks sneak in, I don't know if I'd want to watch a first-round series against the Jets or the Nashville Predators. The defense just isn't there with Keith and Siebes still playing 20-plus minutes a night, plus special teams time. It's a tough limbo to be in for the Chicago Blackhawks because there aren't really any solid defensemen who are free agents this summer for them to go get. Maybe Jake Gardner is the only guy that really comes to mind, a free agent defenseman who are affordable and would actually provide a solution to the defense. So it's a tough spot for the Blackhawks to be in right now. Uh, The only hope for the Blackhawks defense, at least for the near future, is that all of the young prospects currently playing juniors or college hockey will develop heavily this summer. With the current state of the Blackhawks defense, I'm hopeful that uh, Adam Boquist, Ian Mitchell, and Nicholas Bodan all will be NHL-ready at some point next season. Henry Okiharu already looks like a gem in the making, but I definitely don't agree with the decision to send him down to Rockford. Win or lose, Henry needs to be experiencing all facets of the game at the NHL level. He was without a doubt one of the best defensemen all season long for the Blackhawks at 18 years old, and in the middle of the playoff race, the Blackhawks could use him now more than ever. Gustav Forsling's inconsistency is becoming more and more noticeable as his career continues. Once the season is complete, it will for sure be interesting to see how Stan Bowman handles the plethora of defensemen he has at the moment. Now looking ahead at tonight's game versus the New Jersey Devils, the last time these two teams played, the Hawks received a spanking on the road. They lost that one 8-5 as that was the last game the defense was embarrassed really before the Boston Bruins game on Tuesday. That was Slater Cuckoo's Blackhawks debut where he was benched in the second period, but was shortly after unbenched in favor of benching Eric Gustafson. It was a nightmare out there in Jersey that night. But if you do remember correctly, Patrick Kane did have four points uh, on the night, what, despite the Blackhawks' disgusting defensive effort. Carl Dahlstrom was wildly a plus three on the night. Uh, the Hawks allowed eight goals, so <laughs> it was kind of a wacky night in its own. Duncan Keith had his worst game of the season. He was a minus five. Ouch. That is terrible. So, uh, yeah, definitely one to forget last time these two teams met. Cam Ward was pulled. It was an ugly one. Uh, While the Devils, they're not a very good team, it just seems like the Blackhawks always have trouble playing uh, to the Devils' speed. Last time, the Hawks allowed five, six, maybe seven breakaways in the game. And Taylor Hall, New Jersey's fastest skater, he didn't even play in that game. While he won't play again tonight, 
the Hawks still have to be ready for the quickness of the New Jersey Devils. Looking at the matchup tonight, we do know that Cam Ward will once again be in net versus the Devils. As I just said, the last time he started, he was pulled after two periods. Most weren't really his fault, but still it wasn't the kind of night you would like to see out of a veteran like Cam Ward. Uh, Gustav Forsling and Brendan Perlini will be out of the lineup tonight in favor of Slater Cuckoo and Chris Kunitz. And congratulations to Chris Kunitz, who will play in his 1,000th NHL game tonight, which is pretty remarkable uh, because he was an undrafted forward, and he's you know had a fantastic career, won four Stanley Cups, one with uh, the Ducks and three with the Penguins. So congratulations, Chris Kunitz. I know it hasn't been the season that he would have liked uh, to have in Chicago, but... Um, Still good to see him fighting. He's played now in eight of the past ten games after being in and out of the lineup uh, for about two months there. So he's finally found some consistency in the lineup for the first time in a while, which is good to see uh, for Kunitz. It is also John Hayden's birthday today. So him and Kunitz will both be in the lineup. I think there was a little bit of a bias in that decision to play Hayden over Brennan Perlini, but we have seen in the past Jeremy Cowlton just seems reluctant to give Brennan Perlini any chance at succeeding at all. He's At this point, in my mind, he's 100% going to walk this offseason. He played a game low 7.07 on Tuesday against the Bruins, more than a minute and a half less than John Hayden. And, well, Perlini wasn't that good. Like, he's not good on the fourth line. How many guys are going to look good in that role? It's just... It's really frustrating to me to see him be misused over and over again. And then, you know, of course, in games like tonight, he's healthy scratched in favor of John Hayden. I know it's his birthday and that's, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't agree with that. or I don't disagree with that decision to play Hayden on his birthday, but I just still think that Brendan Perlini is too talented to be scratched down the stretch here. So hopefully the Hawks, will bounce back after taking a thumping on Tuesday night to the hands of the Bruins. Hopefully they respond at home tonight against the Devils. So some stats to uh, keep in mind for tonight. Patrick Kane looks to extend his point streak to 16 games tonight. It's currently at 15 games. He has 11 goals and 21 assists during that 15-game span, which is just incredible. No sign of slowing down for the 30-year-old Patrick Kane. If Patrick Kane picks up an assist tonight, he will set a Blackhawks record for most games in a row with an assist at 15. He has 14 straight games with an assist, which uh, ties him for the Blackhawks all-time record with Blackhawk legend Stan Mikita. Alex DeBrinkett also has a nine-game point streak going on right now, and Dylan Strom has points in each of his last five games as well. The Blackhawks' offense has been fantastic the past two months, and if they could just figure it out on the defensive end, they would really be a solid team. But the defensive depth is just too weak, and Keith and Seabrook still have to play significant minutes every night. Looking at the New Jersey Devils lineup now, they are quite banged up heading into this game. They will be without Taylor Hall, Sammy Vatanen, Miles Wood, and Blake Coleman tonight. So the Devils' offense will be taking a hit with all of those guys out of the lineup, and they, they already have struggled to score goals this season. And also some more good news to the Chicago Blackhawks. Corey Schneider will start in net for the Devils tonight. Schneider has lost his last 20, yes, 
20 decisions with an 0-16-4 record since December 17th of 2017. He doesn't have a win in a year and two months. So hopefully the Hawks will be able to light him up tonight and continue to climb their way up the Western Conference standings. The Devils are currently in last place in the Metropolitan Division and have the second worst record in the Eastern Conference. They also have the worst road record in the NHL at 7-18-3. Hawks absolutely have to take advantage of this weak and banged-up Devils team tonight at home. The only area the Devils have the advantage in is the penalty kill, where the Hawks have the league's worst penalty kill, and the Devils actually have a pretty solid kill with the fourth best in the NHL. Besides that, everything else favors the Blackhawks tonight. They just have to go out and execute as a team and pick up two points. Hopefully that will be the case tonight, ladies and gentlemen, as I think that is going to wrap up the first episode of Talking Hockey since the NHL All-Star break. I know it was a quick one, guys, but I wanted to get this one out before the Blackhawks take on the New Jersey Devils tonight. As always, thank you so much to everyone who listened. It really means more to me than everyone knows. Make sure to give the Twitter account a follow, guys. At Talk Hockey is where you can find it on Twitter. It really means more to me than everyone knows, guys. I appreciate it so much. Uh, You can find all Blackhawks coverage 24-7 and, always, as always, live tweeting of every Blackhawks game. Thank you again to everyone listening. As always, go Hawks. Hopefully they pick up a much-needed win tonight at home versus the Devils and continue to fight their way towards the postseason. So go Hawks, guys, and stand Make our defense great again. Until next episode, everybody, thanks for joining me. Peace out.